You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Lo, these past few months, I've been trying to get you, the listener, to support the Enormo Cast by buying new climbing shoes from Sportiva. But I realize that many of you have some trod and true kicks, filthy, held together by shoe goo, and they'll probably have to pry them from your cold, gnarled, calloused feet when your heart finally gives out on you while you're soloing the Enormo Dome or whatever. But did you feel that chill in the air this morning? That coolness that'll start to draw the masochists from their dark, dry-tooling lairs? Well, Sportiva makes mountain boots, fruit boots, or if you're a Honold, crampon-ready sneakers to get you up the gnarliest, iciest project your semi-dormant limbic cortex has dreamed up over the happy days of summer. So it's probably time to start shopping for those if rock climbing is just too fun for you. And they've got trail running shoes for your pre-masochism masochism. So go check it out, Sportiva.com or your nearest outdoor retailer, the Enormacast and Sportiva, like two bros in a bivy sack. When it comes to protecting climbers, we all know that Black Diamond makes great gear to keep you alive on those big climbs. But look more closely and you'll find a company that has the climbing community's back in many deeper ways. For 25 years, Black Diamond has carried a vision that they have a vested interest in protecting the places that you're going to use that gear. The company is well aware that they have the clout that an individual doesn't have to stand up to those who would sell, close, or destroy our beloved climbing areas. Advocacy groups across the world have found BD willing and able to help them bring powerful kung fu to the fight for our right for adventure. So look to Black Diamond for the best climbing protection that money can buy and know that they are working to protect the climbing areas where you're going to use it. Visit blackdiamondequipment.com for more information about their advocacy and to see how you can get involved. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... The Normo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. We really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And now, La Sportiva has joined the Enormo Nation as a premier sponsor. And of course, don't forget Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com, enter Enormo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee and to help out the Enormo cast. Please support all of our great sponsors and let them know that you love them. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Cast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. This is about 9 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. Still the happy daylight time. Not the dark hours quite yet. A few more weeks before we face that abyss here in Colorado. Rarely do these things this early, so you're getting my deepest soul radio voice because I just woke up, sipping on some bonfire coffee. I'll do a little Mark Marin bit here. 
don't know if you could hear that. Anyway, on today's show, episode 91 of the Enormacast, Misty Murphy, guidebook author, climber, musician, and uh, Maven of the St. George Southwest Utah climbing scene. Don't have much to say, actually, on this intro, other than to remind you once again that Peter Gilroy is awaiting your jewelry order over at peterwgilroy.com. Enter Enorma at checkout for a discount. And belay specs, they're also waiting for you to say no to neck pain. Just say no to belay or neck pain. So go to belayspecs.com and enter EnormoCast at checkout to get a discount on belay specs. I haven't gotten around to making commercials for those guys, so don't want to stuff too many commercials on the front end of this thing. Okay, Misty Murphy. Misty is interesting because she came at climbing a little bit differently. She wasn't the sullen outcast that so many climbers were before they found climbing. She was actually a regional rock and roll star. And being a climber musician myself and a guy who, uh, you know, would actually, if the devil showed up and made me a deal that I could be, you know, even just like a mid-level touring rock star, I might just give up climbing. I might just hand over any of my climbing skills for the ability to do that. She's done it. She made a run at being a famous rock and roller and then found climbing. And now she's trying to do a little bit of both. Actually, she talks about a resurgence in perhaps her interest in making some more music, which I certainly hope she does. I've peppered some music of Misty's through this interview. Now that she's done with the guidebook, I think she's freed up some time to pursue that other creative outlet. And I know what it's like to have a life and a relationship and a job and multiple passions. It's very difficult to uh, apply yourself in too many directions and become an expert or become truly creative in any one of those endeavors. Anyway, so I, for one, am glad that Misty's looking to put some effort back into her music. We're going to open with a little clip from her uh, older band, Cork. It was too good not to play a little bit of this one for you. Oh, and I'm not going to have an outro on this one. We're going to go out on one of Misty's tunes. So I just wanted to let you know that Misty Murphy can be found at mistymurphy.com, music-wise. And again, hopefully there's going to be an uptick in production over there. The Limestone Bible, guidebook to Southwest Utah, Nevada, a little chunk of very Mormony Northern Arizona as well. But it's our little piece of European limestone down there. Some tufas, even. Bunch of tufa climbing. Also a great winter area. So check that out at limestonebible.com. Okay, let's rock out to the now defunct cork. And then talk to Misty.
know, it's funny, this friend of mine, we went climbing. We'd never gone climbing alone together. And we were just hiking down to the cliff. And he's like, I'm all nervous. I'm like, why? Because <laughs> because you're famous. I said, I'm not famous. He said, yeah, you are. And why is that? Why are you famous? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Exactly. Oh. Well, you, you, you <laughs> Infamous. It, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, that, that's part of it for sure. But I'm this, you know, I say on my tag for the show, it's like sort of famous climber, Chris Caloose. And the reason <laughs> I say sort of famous is because of Lauren, uh, Lauren Lee McCormick, now formerly Lauren Lee when she was more famous. When we met, you know, I like to joke when we met for the first time, the third time. Um, <laughs> She was just like, <laughs> she's like, you're, you're sort of famous, aren't you? Is what she said to me. You're like, I, she's like, I know that name. You're sort of famous, aren't you? And I was like, I guess. So I've always used that as like my business card, sort of famous. I love it. <laughs> but you meet a lot of climbers, myself included, where you meet them for the first time, the third, fourth, and fifth time. So yeah. and it's worse for me now with, with the normal cast. Like, you know, we met at this and I'm like, yeah, I remember that. It's worse now for me because of all the drinking I've done. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, I'm sitting uh, in the undisclosed location in Salt Lake City with Misty Murphy. Hi. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming. Thanks. I've actually been, uh, I don't know, you probably don't remember this, but I had a previous podcast, sort of the proto uh, cast. And I got in touch with you about coming on the podcast for that. Do you have any recollection of that? No, I think I lost that brain. <laughs> well, it may not. It also like there's this weird Facebooky thing where if you're not friends with somebody, your messages go into another file. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. People don't know this, but there it's if you look on your messages page, there's a little tag that says other. And you need to open it. Wow. Because there, you know, it's like where your high school friend that you weren't really friends with gets in touch with you know sends you one and it goes in there it doesn't go onto your main feed i can only imagine what's in there I, exactly so you might have i don't know if, if you can find it and maybe it's not there anymore but i think it is i might be in there too there might be a message in there somewhere from joe kidner explaining why he blocked me from facebook <laughs> <laughs> i doubt it i think he probably just 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 blacked you out without any explanation so yeah well Sad. He's elusive for me too. So, um, we met uh, once. We just figured it out, or you remembered that brain cell just jumped back into life all of a sudden. Um, woke up, but <laughs> I used to play in a disco band with Lisa Hathaway, who's been on the show, um, who's a good, great friend of yours yep. as well. And we actually got this gig out in Vegas. We were out of Moab and it was like, Paid well enough that we were like, well, let's go out and do it through another climber, uh, Stephanie Forte, a uh, Vegas climber and showed up. And actually, I want to say you got, you opened for us. I did. Yeah. Yeah. You're which right. was uh, <laughs> probably a little bit disconcerting that <laughs> some shitty disco band from Moab <laughs> was like the headliner. Um, but yeah, you played before us. It wasn't, let's, let's call it that because it certainly wasn't an opener. Only because I think you're stripped down. The thing's stripped down with just you, right? You and a it keyboard just me. and a guitar. I had guitars, pedals, so yeah. I kind of ran. It's like a one-woman show, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, so I think it just sort of logistically made sense to have the band with the the the, the screaming ladies come on after that. So, 
anyway, but that's where we met briefly. And then, of course, I've sort of followed your career, as it were, your sort of famous career. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people come when I say my name, Calouse, like along with that story about Lauren, like they're like, I've heard that before. And I want to say that your name has that kind of ring as well. Like people, you know, it's Misty Murphy. Like it's like, where have I heard that before? I, I, I mean, I think that's kind of part of it. And part of that thing about just being around for a while and being climbing for a while and being, you know, someone What does that mean? What do you mean? Been around for a while. Been around. Well, <laughs> been in climbing and like, and also, I mean, it does sound kind of lurid, but, um, being around, you know, around the block or whatever, but you know, you've been in this one place for a while down in, in St. George or in that area. And, uh, you know, so if, like people come and climb there for a few weeks, they're bound to run into you. you know? True. And you're sort of a, a little bit of a spokesperson, which has led to what we're going to, a big part of what we're going to talk about is that you just finished the guidebook for the area. Yes. You know, so all those things sort of go together with being around. <laughs> and speaking of which, how long have you been down there? Uh, 11 years now. I'm from here. I'm from Salt Lake. But, okay. um, my husband and I moved there. Just basically, we went on a road trip and we were in Rifle for a while. And then we ended up in St. George and we kind of just got hooked on the limestone climbing around there. And we ended up moving there and barely making it because there's really not much for work down there. And I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rough. So I actually work in Las Vegas. Okay. I drive there a couple times a week. Um, but then we found a lot in a little town called Gunlock. And uh, it's about a half hour outside of St. George. But we literally can look at some of the cliffs mm -hmm. that we climb at and we love so much. So we both feel pretty fortunate that we were able to make it work to live in Gunlock. Is Gunlock the, the on the old road? Yeah. You go on Highway 91 and then there's another turn off to a reservoir called Gunlock Reservoir. And we're like five minutes from the okay. reservoir. Right. Okay, cool. So I, I vaguely know where it is situated compared to St. George. So how long have you been climbing then? Almost 20 years. I was kind okay. of a late bloomer because I'm kind of getting up there now. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm 46. I started when I was 27. Okay. And an ex-boyfriend took me climbing actually outside of Jackson Hole. And I was hooked from the moment I started. I mm -hmm. just loved it. And actually, we broke up because of it. <laughs> what, did you love it too much? I loved you... it too much. Right. He wanted to make money and I wanted to go climbing. Okay. So. All right. Well, did, so let me ask you that real quick. So you're a late bloomer to a certain extent. And, and especially nowadays, that's really late. You know, um, yeah. I think in the past it was a little more of an adult sport, but now with, with kids getting into it super early, 27 does feel like quite late. But what were, what was your life like before that? I mean, was, was well. it, <laughs> was it outdoor oriented at all or sports oriented at all or? I mean, I was really into my music okay. before I started climbing. Um, I'd started writing music when I was young. And then by the time I was in my early 20s, I was playing a lot of shows just acoustically, just you know, going to coffee houses, doing open mics. And then I created a band, um, and we called that Cork, uh, after Cork, Ireland, because I guess I'm Irish or something. Um, but anyway, and we took off. So it was a huge part of my life. And we were big. We were big for Salt Lake. Sure. You know, we were like big fish in a small pond, but, um, we actually toured and were looked at by 
RCA records. And then, but that was just right in the middle of when everything was turning into nobody buys CDs anymore. Everybody's giving away music for free. Radio stations don't really matter anymore. So kind of got caught in the middle of all that. So I actually did get signed on a smaller label after Cork defunct and just under Misty Murphy. And it was a label outside of uh, New Jersey. And so I got to fly back there and play a bunch of shows and recorded a CD in Queens, New York, um, which got shelved too because the producer and the owner of the record label, which was Gig Records, which I still have contact with him. Um, so they ha they had a falling out. So my CD was shelved and it was so good. I was so sad. <laughs> it was kind of what I dreamed of doing. You know, mm -hmm. I was going to tour with this, this um, album. So I ended up buying all my own equipment and record because I watched this producer and he was genius. Sure. So I just bought everything. I bought Logic Pro. I bought like the mixing board or the whole bit and just sat in my basement for a year and recorded that CD. Okay. And so I put that out and it's called Venus. So how did that work? I mean, when, I mean, I, I have some knowledge of this, uh, having played music a lot as well and, and never been, in those positions, but have plenty of friends who have been. And this idea of like, they bought or they own this thing because they paid for the recording of it, but they didn't own the songs. So you were able to re-record them? Absolutely. Cause okay. I wrote everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you hadn't signed that away to some publishing company or something no. like that, which Luckily happens. Not. Right? right. Yeah. Right. And so then you put out your album on your own. Yes. And, and, and you know, in addition, it sounds like in addition to the, this, transition in in no cd sales and whatever else was going on that was also the dawn of what you just did i mean to a certain extent that you could you could go home and you could sit in your basement and you could come up with you know something that was sonically as as complicated and and as quality as what these big studios were sort of doing i mean i think it's amazing that you can do that now right so I think it it had to happen. It was going to happen. And I wholeheartedly believe in giving away music now. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only real way that a musician can make money is touring. Right. So you're looking at owning that album. I, I like uh, this has nothing to do with climbing, but but in a way we'll get back to it. <laughs> well, um, I was start I was climbing yeah. through that whole process, too. I started climbing. So okay. I was mixing the climbing with music as right. well, which was really fun for me play at the OR show a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I've been involved with Hera, which is the Ovarian Cancer Foundation. Um, and so that's been fun to mix it, mix my love of climbing, my love of music. Right. And so what did you end up um, trying to tour behind this album once you had it out and, and those sorts of things? No. Well, about what year was this? Oh, jeez. Because I've seen you play. I've seen you here. I've seen you play when we play with you. I've seen you here um, years ago. Um, but yeah, how long it's ago? It's been about that? six years okay. since I released Venus. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it would have been longer. Might anyway. be a little bit longer, okay. but yeah. So then, you know, that was there a was there a, a conflict or anything with climbing? I mean, you seems like maybe one replaced the other to a certain extent. I think so. I had uh -huh. to choose because right. if you're really going to pursue music like for real, it's it's all consuming. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have had to tour. I would have had to just get a van and go play everywhere. Right. You know? And uh by then I love climbing so much I wasn't I was willing to do that for climbing. Right. 
<laughs> but not for music. Right. Well, I think, I mean, it sounds like maybe what you were looking for, this, I'm going to do a little pop psychology on you here, but you know, that, that's such a drag and every musician talks about it unless they have some just like perfectly sweet deal is that you have all these other people calling the shots and you got burned by that to a certain extent with the album, you know, and then at least when you're, you go on tour for rock climbing, like you're in charge of whatever you want to go do and you're not dependent on the gig holding up and all. I mean, it's a different vibe. Like I know you were sort of joking, but the energy is similar if you want to be accomplished at one or the other. Absolutely. But, but yeah. I think, I don't know. It's like, it feels like, wow. I've always thought about that of like the grind of the road with touring. And part of that grind is just that like, there's probably just so many roadblocks around every corner that, cause that's somebody else's, you know, holding on to the paycheck or whole, or your gig falls through or someone was supposed to do this or someone was supposed to do that. You get in the car, you get to just go climbing. Yeah. You know, I mean, music enough. and playing live was very rewarding, but it was also a huge pain in the ass. So, you know, sometimes it was great and sometimes it was just really not that great. A lot of work. Right. So what is it? Let's finish up this, this talk about music and maybe it'll come up again, but what, what does it mean to you at this time? I mean, are you still writing? You're still recording? You're performing sometimes at Hera? Uh, benefits or whatnot? I'm not doing much right now, only because the book, the mm -hmm. Limestone Bible, writing the book was a huge, same thing. It was a huge undertaking. It consumed my life. I had to, I learned all the programs. I did all the layout myself. Um, I did all the cartoonings in Illustrator. So it was, it was a lot of work. And not only that, but then gathering all the information, going to crags that maybe I didn't like, you know, just to make the book a good, complete book. So I had to put music aside. Um, so, but it was, you know, it was still a creative endeavor. So I really enjoyed doing it, but now I'm like ready. Cool. And it, it's funny because the, the day that I was done, I sent, um, the PDF to the book publisher. Well, it was the printer actually because we were self publishing. I got a phone call from the guy who owned gig records who originally signed me. His name is Indian. <laughs> No, seriously, his name's Indian. That's yeah. what he goes by. Of course it But is. he it's called fun. me that day and said, I have a gig for you in Phoenix if you want to go play it this November. It's an outdoor stadium kind of thing. So oh, cool. it seemed like that was serendipitous. Right on. So yeah. you st you're stoked to go like reemerge. Exactly. Awesome. Well, that's awesome because I, you know, I, I you, you, were, you were amazing when we, we saw you or even when you played with us. Thank you. And I was just like, you know, as a sort of musician climber at some level, I appreciate the fact that you were so, it wasn't just like this little hobby thing for you, you know, and because it is for me and, and it's always sort of been this thing of like, well, I should be better. I should pursue this harder, but I have to like deal with climbing as well. And so I mean, I just remember thinking like, wow, that that's like, she's really what I, you know, kind of my little pipe dream is. So, well, it was nice of you to say. Yeah, it was super <laughs> cool.
let's you just transition for me right into the to the guidebook. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's awesome. <laughs> I like the fact that you were like this is this was a creative project, you know, and and just glancing at it today and everything else it's and you even talked about a little bit about like some how much personality is in it and how much of your humor is in it, which is for you I think is kind of the same thing. Um, you know, they they're one and the same for everybody, but uh having read all your stuff in the past and everything else like you know you're you're funny you're you you've got a great sense of humor um although a very satirical sense of humor and Thanks. uh so <laughs> is that in the book are we are we you know in yeah, terms of satire absolutely and um you know i told you before like i i was pretty inspired by aaron huey cuz he's so creative yeah, the 10 sleep god book yeah. yeah and um so i kind of took a little huey ish um side to that but i also wanted to have a lot of really good information as well and i wanted it to be entertaining and funny you know because mm -hmm. people want a book i mean anybody can go on mountain project and find a route right right isn't but, that the crux of it all now yeah. i mean whatever but people like to have a book mm -hmm. i do and um that's kind of why we, i wrote it and um yeah, so it's got some funny stuff in it, and I had to tone it down a lot because I'd go through and I'm like, okay, that's gonna really offend that person, and <laughs> and I'm gonna start this all over again. I don't really want to do that. I just want it to be good information, but funny. So I did tone it down a little bit, but um, yeah, I did have a a publisher at one point, and um, he went through just my Arrow Canyon portion of the book, which has never been published. Well, I guess there was a small piece that was published on arrow but like a full nice nicely done portion of arrow has never been done and this publisher he read through it i sent him the the indesign files and he was just like y you're out of control like you can't you can't say that <laughs> and i mean i'm being pretty nice the way he put it because it was he was pretty it was like he was offended right and i'm like well He's like, you know, this kind of reads like Bill and Misty's Adventures. And I'm like, well, it kind of is, you right. know. So we didn't work together right. <laughs> very well. But I understand. So I did tone it down. Okay. But there is still some stuff in there. Do, who, who, uh, do you have anyone uh, else as your, as maybe one at least mild outside voice to tell you like, eh, maybe not this. I mean, in a nicer way. Do you have it? Did you have anybody that was like, all right, I get it. I love you. You're Misty Murphy, but I think maybe we need to get rid of that or this doesn't sound right or. Yeah, I had a girlfriend of mine who's very critical of me. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a great and opportunity. She's still my girlfriend. I mean, right. we've had her ups and downs, but I knew, I knew she'd be honest with me. Mm -hmm. So I, she read everything. Right. And like went through all the photos and she had this, I had this photo in there and it's of me and I'm climbing an arrow canyon. And I'm sending the route. So it's a cool photo, right? Keith Lizinski took it and it's really cool, but it's a total boob shot, right? Mm -hmm. And she's just like, oh, I don't know, the boobs. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take it out. So I took it out and then I put another photo in there. And I was like, seriously, to the day that I sent it to the printer, I'm like, like the night before, I was like, you know, it's my fucking book. Right. You know, I'm going to put my boobs in there. I know if people are offended by my boobs, whatever, but. I was climbing the route. It wasn't like just like sure, pose down. Sure, it wasn't just a, a posed out boob shot. Yeah, so the boobs were incidental. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're there. You yeah, know, right. what am I supposed to do with I, them? You know, I don't know. Just put Smash. Them in a sports bra, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What page is that on? No. 
<laughs> uh, you're selling books. I'll tell you right now, you're We're selling <laughs> books. So it sounds good. Well, you, you had an infamous blog for a while that you had a, I mean, what was it? It was some sort of like who slept with who tree that finally shut it down. Oh, no, that wasn't what shut it down. But oh, okay. yeah, I got a lot of flack from that. Right. The that family tree. The family well, I'm Mormon. Tree, right. I grew up Mormon. I'm not okay. Mormon anymore. But right. so genealogy is like a huge sure. part of my life, you know. So I just felt like a little genealogy, climbing genealogy made sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there were an, some other people involved with that. They were like my little evil birds right. tweeting in my ears. Right. So they gave me some information too. Sure, so. sure. They're but like, I, I won't name them. Mistil they know who they are. Misty will take the fall for this. <laughs> <laughs> she'll do anything she'll say anything <laughs> it's funny because some people just hate because of course you know if you've seen it it's like chris sharma's like at the top and then it just branches down right. from there and it's all like you know who everybody's kind of slept with but i and i just use like first names too i didn't right. use last names right. which i thought was nice right but um it's funny from that i had so many people hate me right and then i had other people love me mm -hmm. like the friend requests like Bobby Bensman, Lynn right. Hill, you right. know, yeah. I was getting friend requests from these famous people because they thought it was hilarious. So, well, that's the problem with satire, isn't it? That there's a barb in it. Yeah. And so you can either take it or you can't. I wanted to kind of ask you like part of the satire and part of the humor in this whole thing. And, you know, even this game about the boob shot, you know, <laughs> is like, there's sort of a, an amount of absurdity in the arguments we have in climbing. And I think that that's like your, your, uh, where, where satire comes from, you know, just like, look, everybody lighten up or everybody, you know, don't take, hold this all so sacred. Um, is there anything like, you know, that struck a chord with you or strikes a chord that you sort of wanted to kind of maybe take down a little bit in, in the, in the book and specifically in terms of like our, our rituals or the things that we hold sacred. I mean, other than, like I said, we have this weird, this crazy conversation, I think, ongoing about women and women's bodies and photography and climbing and all that, which obviously was the basis of this, what should I do with this boob shot thing? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not exploitive if you're the one putting it in there, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. But anyway. You, you... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, mm -hmm. and I... Yeah, there's a little bit of that you talk about in the book, in yeah. the in the guidebook. Yeah. That and I have a disclaimer in the in the front of the book about, you know, if you get butt hurt about a downgrade, then you need to answer to your peers, you know, and quit taking yourself so seriously. Just go out there and have fun because I mean I collected information from people to get the right grades, you know. But, you know, I was rough. I I didn't speak to my best friend for nine months. She was so mad about me downgrading something. So right. one grade and it wasn't me downgrading. It was like everybody else around. So yeah, I just like that was rough, but I, I just don't think people should take it too seriously. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the book, you'll kind of see that right here and there. So yeah, I mean, there's a certain, uh, landmines that you run into when you start writing guidebooks. And, you know, I've never interviewed actually. Someone specifically about this, but it's, it's well known. And, and we had, have had a close personal friend, Dave Pegg, who was, uh, who was a guidebook author and, and dealt with all this sort of stuff. So, you know, the downgrading actually is one of them. What else did you, what else have you sort of run into in terms of like 
poking your toe into the middle of this climbing community and, and having to make decisions about what's in the book. And, and I mean, even the putting out a book chaps people's ass, like all of a sudden, you know, like where you're going to overcrowd the crags or whatever else. Did you get any of that sort of stuff oh, as well? Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah. It's already happened. Right. And we have this crag that we climb at all, all the time called the diamond. It's in the Utah Hills and it's amazing, you know, but it's kind of been our secret. And my husband who develops a lot, he's put in like 23 new routes at least. So is he not all... talking to you anymore either? <laughs> <laughs> There's been times. That's why the blog had to die, but that's another story. <laughs> anyway, so, so but so yeah, yeah. And the, so my friends, you know, we're up there at the crag and they're just like, and they, like the day after the book came out, there were some kind of Gumby looking guys up there. I know that's kind of rude, but they were, you know, whatever. But they had the book, which is cool. And they, but all my friends were like, look what you've done. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. Like, well, it had to be done. But, and, uh, and to answer your question in another sense, um, look what you've done. Hey, can I see that for a minute? That's <laughs> <laughs> basically how it goes. Yeah. Um, I have, yeah, there's been a conflict with like, there's, there's a guy in Southern Utah that we respect very much. His name's Todd Perkins and he's put up so many classic roots and he's been there forever. So we just kind of really respect him, you know, and he put up a route at this really chossy crag. And so to do that, it involves a lot of glue and a lot of, um, a lot of labor. And, um, he got hurt. Had to have hip surgery, and so he wasn't able to get back on the route for like a year. And meanwhile, another climber came and did it, and they're friends. And but in the book, I respected Todd. He wanted to name it Peregrination. Mm-hmm. It meant that name meant a lot to him. So I named it Peregrination. I didn't use the other guy's name. The other guy had another name for it. And now that guy doesn't speak to me anymore. So I mean, I had to make some choices when it came like came down to that. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is weird. I mean, I can see like, you know, expressing disappointment, a little bit of anger, but then like getting over it. But whatever. They can yeah. feel that way about it. But mm-hmm. I had I had to make those choices. Sure. And maybe some people may dis- disagree with me. Like they mm-hmm. should, well, you should respect the person who did it and use that name. But right. um, just under the circumstances, I thought it was the fair thing to do. Was Todd the guy that rebolted essentially the all of the Virgin River Gorge? Yeah, yes. yeah the VRG, right? Huge undertaking. Sure. And he did that there, and some of the older routes at a crack called the Grail that's outside of Mesquite. Mm-hmm. Awesome routes. And um, the Chuckawalla Wall outside of St. George, really popular crag, sandstone. But yeah, the VRG was huge undertaking because hundreds of routes, all the anchors. These routes are like run out. They're tall. Um, yeah. And he put bomber glue ins at the crag. Like every route has bomber glue ins. And then another guy from Vegas, his pocketbook basically paid for the whole thing. His name is Rob Jensen mm-hmm. and they fixed it with all, um, fixed steel equipment. Right. And so. those were like, they were actually kind of old, like in, in the world of sport climbing, like that, that was a really early sport climbing area. Yeah. Um, and so those, I mean, it had to have been some time bombs just waiting to happen. And plenty of those routes, you know, one bolt goes and, and you're on the ground because they are not, you know, easy bolting anywhere. Yeah, so. never had any actual bolts or anchors fail there, but gear because right. it bakes in the sun in the winter. I'm sorry, summer. 
And you know, climbers are so lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, don't wanna, they don't even check gear that's been sitting there for years. Right. You know? So people would go to the VRG in the winter and just start clipping draws and wouldn't notice that, okay, the webbing's just totally shit. So right. there's been a few the accidents there. Sharp or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, awesome. I, I just, I remembered that name and I think anytime you can sort of send props out to somebody who does that, that's the way to go. So, yeah. Um, I've only climbed there a handful of times, but I've climbed there since the rebolting. And yeah, it's, I mean, how much more awesome is it to clip a shiny stainless glue in? You know, you're pretty just nice. like, oh, I'm good. Yep. I'm pretty good. I'm stoked. <laughs> so instead of some like crustified thing that's been run over with calcite or whatever for 20 years. So. Let's talk a little bit about climbing in uh, that corner of Utah down there um, and living down there. You're, you said you grew up Mormon, yes. right? But obviously not anymore. <laughs> um, I say that. Is there a look about me now? <laughs> no, actually, no. You know, I just, I, I follow you on Instagram, right? So a lot of those sunset shots that I mentioned earlier often have a beverage in the foreground so that's a good indicator anyway so um (laughs) or maybe i just reek of liquor from last night exactly like i was like whoa she's not mormon (laughs) (laughs) anyway mormons are great we love them sort of but um (laughs) but yeah you've been down there for 11 years like that's what you said right about 11 and and living in St. George and sort of existing down there. And actually I sort of follow some of your trials and tribulations of, of down there. But is there like a, I mean, is there any effect on climbers like visiting climbers or anything else? Or, or is it just like uh, someone has to live there to kind of see the ins and outs of what it's like to be down in like a pretty conservative community down there? Are the climbers like no problems or uh, landowners okay what what's good what's no, the vibe no, like no, down no there? one's okay oh okay <laughs> i mean i think no it doesn't take long for climbers to just be like what is going on down here you know just trying to get oh i just i wanted to go get something to eat oh they're closed it's sunday or i wanted to get a beer or whatever you know it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's old school mormon town still i mean it's definitely had its revival but it's stays uh, the liquor laws suck you know it's hard to get um anything that has some oomph to it like liquor wise you got to go to the liquor store and so yeah i guide people in my book to where where to go and where not to go mm-hmm. um it's a strange town yeah you know if i didn't have climbing there's no way i'd live there well yeah that there's seems no reasonable way. yeah and you know saint george is is the capital right of the state or no no what salt is? lake is oh salt lake is yeah. i thought it was some weird like one of those mini capitals oh down yeah there. maybe Maybe it's Fillmore. I don't know, but uh, but also Colorado City's down in that general zone, and that's like the the hotbed. Oh, I've been there. Oh, you have a lot. What was that? What, why? I for work. Oh, yeah, I um appraise homes. Okay, for work. Okay, so I've been out to Colorado City appraising homes, and it's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay, but I've been inside those homes. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, lots of bedrooms. I'm kind of obsessed with the polygamists, actually. Yeah, I'm a little obsession with They're them. They're pretty. It's a pretty interesting uh, part of the the legacy, as it were, that's still <laughs> ongoing. But um, well, can you let me ask you that? It, it, you said there's like you got some directions. Are there? Is there like a you know? I, I I'm not gonna say climber bar because there probably isn't. But it, are there like some central kind of establishments that have embraced it at all down there? Is there climbing shops? Is there? Sure, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
So there's a, a cool place called Jazzy Java, mm-hmm. and they have coffee, and you can actually get beer there. And um, so, yeah, that Jazzy Java, and they have live music. And so climbers kind of hang out there. Right. And then right across the street is Desert Rat, which is a great little climbing store. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of the central places. Other than that, I think climbers that climb in southern Utah are usually traveling through there and all kind of congregate uh, at a place called Welcome Springs. And there's a big place to camp there, and it's pretty popular. Is that on the other side? Yeah. That's down out into Nevada? It's actually still in Utah, but it's right on the Utah-Arizona border. Oh, okay. But you take Highway Highway 91 through the Utah hills. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember where we were. Um, but yeah, and then obviously that if you're climbing in the VRG, you end up being on that side and ended up and ending up like if you want to in Mesquite and things like that. Right. Which but changes everything. It's tricky. I mean, you don't want to camp in the VRG. It's a pretty shady place. Right. Um, in fact, and I tell the story in the book, there was a climber, female climber and her boyfriend, they were climbing there and they were camped at the VRG just up the road, the place called Cedar Pocket, one of the only places to camp in the gorge. And, uh, the boyfriend went climbing for the day and she's like, uh, she was just going to rest. And she was kind of sunbathing out, you know, just laying out, whatever. And she just feels somebody come up behind her and she looks back and there's a guy with a gun and a roll of duct tape. And she was barefoot and she ran all the way to the freeway. Right. Never looking back. Right. And then when she finally made it to the freeway, you know, to wave somebody down, she looked back and he was gone. Huh. So don't camp in the BRG. And didn't she wreck her feet pretty bad? Yeah. Yeah. Because she was just like booking on gravel. Yeah. Like as fast as she could with no sense of pain and panic, you know? Yeah. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. That place is creepy for sure. And there's, (laughs) it's like, there's like a little picnic campground, but there's no one there. Like there's not a person on duty or anything. No, it's so, so weird. Yeah. And but the Utah in- Hills is like that too. I mean, you gotta gotta be careful out there. There's a lot of just a lot of shenanigans. We've seen some weird stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Last year we were camping at a new crag that's in the book called Sunset Alley, and it's gonna be really popular. Um just world class climbing at every grade. It's basically the best crag for for everybody. And anyway, really good camping out there as well. We were camping out there and this guy shows up and he's got a giant like bee suit on like with the hood and everything what do you just i don't know and he had a white rapist van too a, a bee suit yeah but he was just had it he was just wearing it uh-huh did he He's... come and chat with you guys no no we just saw him kind of just hanging out in his yeah. bee suit <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You didn't shoot a picture of that? You didn't gram that? Oh, dude, I was out of there. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's just, yeah, right. That's pretty, all yeah, right. So you can see some interesting things out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like no man's land for sure. Yeah. You know, I think people probably think, all right, I can go out and wear a bee suit out here, no problem. Like, yeah, no I, I met some, uh, some lesbian uh, rattlesnake wranglers out there one time too. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. They were just out there finding find rattlers, want to cut their heads off. <laughs> so really? like, yeah, that's what they did for fun. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the one had just cut her finger off and she showed me pictures of it and well, they had a flat tire too. They wanted help. All right. Well, anyway, that's a, that's a good, uh, you're no longer selling Sorry. books, but, um, <laughs> nobody no go one's going to want to come down and run into this bee suit guy at the cliff, you know? Uh, but yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the climbing though, because I, I've climbed down there at the VRG 
uh, and found it to be quite difficult. It's an old school area. And I want to say that like, you can't get away with anything there. Like, um, there's certain sport climbing places where it's like, you know, steep and big holds and you can be sort of tough and strong and, and pull down. And, and, uh, the VRG is, is this place where I, one of those places where I say, you got to be like a, a real climber, you know, with a lot of different skills in, in your bag. But tell me a little bit about like a bunch of the other climbing. Cause I've, I visited the cathedral one day and then I don't know anything about what's up by St. George itself. All limestone in here, right? It's all limestone. Yeah. And it starts from the hurricane area, which is uh, a town just about half hour north of um, St. George. Mm-hmm. It's called the Hurricane Cave. It's a right. huge cave. So that's in there. And that's never been published before. Um, and Joe Kidner and Todd Perkins and Jorge Visser, um, they developed all those routes there. And that's world class, too. Everything's really hard there. Um, and then Dutchman's Draw is in there and that's just south of there. And it's this really crazy, uh, pillar, limestone pillars, like 300 feet tall. And there's roots on all side, sides of that. That place is pretty remote, but really great climbing. Um, and then if you go into the Utah Hills, which is where Welcome Springs is, there's Welcome Springs, which has, um, a lot of new roots that have never been published in there. Cause my husband, he developed a lot of those. So they're in there, a couple new crags around Welcome Springs called, one called the Meat Market Wall, one called the Anti-Theme Wall. Uh, there's also in the Utah Hills, the Gorilla Cliff, which is really old cliff, had, um, psychedelic in the present. Psychedelic is still one of the hardest routes in America and it has only seen like three ascents, uh, 14 CD. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the Gorilla and Simeon's right next to that. And that's also a really great, uh, limestone, shorter crag, but great rock. The diamonds in that area, uh, Solus and diamond is awesome. It's, it's about 6,500 feet. So we climb there in the summer. We climb there all summer. Mm-hmm. And when it's windy, it's nice. So we just, we go up there, um, in the summer. And then there's another crack called Soul Asylum. And that has a little bit of everything. Some five eights, even five sevens, all the way up to like 13 B. Uh, and then there's the Sunset Alley that's in that area, which was discovered is pretty much one of our newest crags and that I mentioned before where the bee suit guy was. Um, awesome. Cave. There's a huge cave there with, um, Joe Kidner put up a 14 plus there, um, tiger blood. And, but then there's everything from like classic five ten minuses and all the way up to, you know, super hard roots. So sunset alley. Um, and then South of there, right on the Arizona border is a place called black and tan. And Kelly's Rock, and they're really popular, and they're kind of old school, too. Um, and then, of course, the VRG. And then south of there, um, the ski areas, the Grail. It's never been published before, but people have known about it, and it became really popular this last year. Jonathan Seagrass put up uh, Air France, uh, which is, goes in 14, 514 minus. And a lot of other development went, went there, and it's like a 200, 300-foot cliff as well. So there's some multi-pitch there. Yeah, it's a great spot. You've been there? Yeah, yeah. We spent a couple of days there last time. Good camping. and Yeah. It's a it nice spot up there for sure. Thanks. Away from the highway. Although yeah. most of these cliffs you're talking about are. so The Grail's awesome, and I just see that growing as well as in popularity. And then there's another crowd called Sun City that my husband and I did a lot of work at, and that's just south of the Grail, but it's a total winter crag. It's the only true south-facing limestone in 
all of the areas that are in the book. Up that same road? You go up that same road, but then you go right. When it splits, you go right. Okay. And um, there's a little bit of everything there, too. So, like, in the dead of winter, when it's, like, 40 degrees in mesquite, you can climb there in the sun. It's uh-huh. so fun. Yeah, so what, What if, I mean, if you were to, someone were to say, what, when should I come down there? What's this, what gives you the most access time, or time of year-wise? It's kind of like everywhere, like, fall and spring are the best yeah. times. But winters are doable because you've got the VRG, you've got Sun City. And then the other one that I was, the last thing I was going to mm. mention is Arrow Canyon. Okay. And Arrow Canyon is climbable in the winter as well. And where is that? Because that's been like kind of a, a, a hidden sort of, I mean, I lived in Vegas years and years and years ago, mostly before a lot of this stuff was developed. But there was, there was like the original talk of this place. Um, and even then I couldn't, I didn't push too hard, but it was like, it was the, the, the kind of place where like, you know, you had to know somebody to know somebody to go down there. But so where is it? Tell right. me. Right. Well, it's an hour and 15 minutes south of St. George and about 45 minutes north of Las Vegas. Okay. So it's a little bit kind of in between, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a special place. It's this huge slot canyon, uh, limestone on both sides. And um, it is now designated wilderness, which really sucks for us. But luckily, we still have access and they're still climbing is still okay. They just don't want any new route development oh, okay. this time. So, right. but saying that, it's just, it's an amazing crag. Uh-huh. Um, and it's huge. There's probably, there's probably over a hundred routes in there. Everything, same thing. Everything from like 510 to Seagrass did an old, old abandoned project. Um, Lorev mm-hmm. is 14D. Okay. I'll put that on the list. Yeah, you right. should. Nice. <laughs> And this is, and this is primarily, I mean, that you just got me thinking about that. Um, it's prime, most of the stuff is primarily BLM land. I mean, that's not, you just said it's a wilderness does, and maybe it's BLM anyway, but like, it just feels like, you know, you really are in the middle of nowhere kind of free for all zone, or have you guys had access issues in, in the area? Besides recently, this one? Recently. Yeah. yeah it's kind of unfortunate. Is it private or is it with, it was, is it public? There's a little bit of both. There's some, private land there's most of it is blm and then there's wilderness study as well oh right so yeah we've had our our issues with the blm i there's been kind of an instance well there was one instance where a climber started a fire out at this new the new crag sunset alley by burning their toilet paper Mm -hmm. on a really windy day and caught the crag on fire okay and the blm didn't even know that we were developing out there until that right and then they were pissed so they called a meeting with us as a group, and um, we all showed up and tried, what is the, to, tried to put mean, out that fire. <laughs> you guys, uh, literally, right? Yeah. Did what? I mean, do you guys have some sort of like group with a name to it and, and anything else, or is it just yeah. y'all show no. up? <laughs> it started like that, but no, it is Southern Utah Climbing Association, Saka. Okay. So, right. Yeah. And we so are you- a group, and we do get together and have meetings and drink beer right. stuff but you know we we try to you know and there's there's other areas that aren't the limestone areas like Moe's valley people would probably know it's really on the radar now um world-class bouldering on sandstone and it's literally like right in town mm-hmm. so we've had issues there and so yeah we meet for for those issues and we we have the blm come to our meetings and try to get them on board and liking us mm-hmm. again as a group but it's tough Right. Well, at the risk of upsetting your husband, um, <laughs> oh, 
No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I, I lived in Vegas, uh, a long time ago for just a few months. And one of the things I did right at the end of that stint was I, um, I drove north from Vegas on the highway that runs up to Ely. What, what is that called? 95 or 95. Yeah, 95. Yeah. And I did, it was like a three day thing and I, I had four wheel drive truck and I kind of had, you know, found these spur roads that go off and into the hills and then back onto the highway and just kind of did like a, a four wheel drive roving tour. Cool. And it's just like, you know, I tell people to this day, like I saw hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of cliffs that in the distance close up everywhere else that look is good or better than anything, you know, things that I've seen fully developed that everybody loves. And I mean, you've sort of revealed all these new cliffs, but it appears to me that like, you know, it's not hyperbole to say it's, it's endless or it's at least within human existence is sort of endless. Is that true? I mean, is that like the impression that I, that you have? Well, I don't know. You know, we've done, we've done a lot of exploring in the areas you're talking about. Right. We've actually bolted some routes outside of Ely as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there could be some other hidden gems in there. Right. Um, my husband, I'm, uh, this is no secret. He's out, been out developing with some friends in the, what is called the Mormon mountains. Okay. And, uh, we just didn't put it in the book because there's still a lot of development going on out there, but it will be in the next edition of the book. Um, so the Mormon mountains is just, it's huge, it's a massive area. And unfortunately they designated half of the Mormon mountains to wilderness. So uh, a lot of it, we don't have access to anymore, but there are roots out there. Um, and I believe that there's more to be found. Um, I mean, sunset alley, we looked at sunset alley driving to welcome Springs year after year after year. We were actually looking at the cliff. You can see it. Right. We just thought it was on Indian reservation land. Oh, okay. It turns out it's not. So, you know. There might be something hidden in there. Well, it's just, it's weird because, you know, as a climber or I think as a climber, especially from sort of my generation and older, like you, you, you have this weird mindset of like, it has to be some like thing that just like striking, take your breath away cliff off in the distance to go look at it. But when I was in Vegas, you know, there, it was like, uh, I want to say like right at the end of the nineties and you know, there was Charleston and obviously all the stuff at Red Rocks, but it was when like a lot of these little sub areas around Vegas were getting developed and you would look and you, you could like drive into them, see them in the distance. And it really opened my eyes to like the perspective from a distance that it doesn't have to appear to be much, you know, like a shadow in the wall that like kind of forms a little bowl, you know, or like the stories of Randy seeing Clark Mountain. For years and years and years and years. We're driving to the VRG. Yeah, driving yeah. to the VRG. And it's just like, well, I think that's overhanging because there's a shadow. He told me like he noticed there was a shadow at, at the right time of day. But it turned – I mean, it, the freaking – the Jumbo Love Cave, the third tier is enormous. But all he saw was like, I think there's a shadow on it right now. I think it might be overhanging because it's so far away. So then I started like looking and I'm like, well, shit, that could be a cliff. Well, we've got Randy's our friend yeah. now, so Randy uh, got his pilot's license. Yeah, I know. I so saw that. I saw gonna, that Graham too. We're gonna hook him up and just just go look at look at what's out there. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it can be. I mean, like you know, a lot of those crags are hidden, and you don't see them. And you know, we 
spent hours on Google Earth trying to find stuff, but it all looks weird on Google Earth. Right. Never yeah, and then there's sense. like the the greater Nevada seems like there's, you know, I've always heard little rumors of, you know, big canyons and things out there, but half of that's on military proving ground. So, you know, or they're radioactive or something like that too, you know. Well, there's the McCrave, you know, Brian McCrave. Yeah. He developed this cave and he kept it secret. And, you know, when he, when he died last year, his friends were like, oh, we're going to, we're going to tell people about it because, you know, we want people to go out there. And so they did. They put it, I think it's on Mountain Project. Oh, really? But it's out there. And uh-huh. Joe Kinder went out there and I think he did some roots. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. So, and I think they just designated that a monument too. Okay. So it's like constantly trying to battle people who don't want bolts and rocks. Yeah. But you know, there's like, uh, it's always this game of, of, with bolt with bolted sport climbs and bolted walls and 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 crags or whatever like you know it's way out there so it's like you know i i mean i've always sort of tried to find that magic equation of like well how long have i been hiking um and (laughs) are is it you know and and i'm gonna have to spend a bunch of money on bolts and is this you know, is it going to fulfill me? Is it going to be something anybody ever comes back to? And, you know, I don't know what that equation is, but I think everybody has like this version of that. Like, is it really worth hiking our asses all the way up there to do like, you know, 10 six bolt routes on that little teeny cliff we can see up there? Or... That's true. But as the, you know, I think those, that equation expands as things get climbed out or, and there's always the intrepid people like probably Bill is your husband's name, right? Yes. So like him, who's, you know, he'll never probably stop putting bolts in things. No, he's an yeah. addict. And and our friend Dave was like that as well. Like, just like, oh, Dave's got a new cliff. Okay, well, let's wait a couple months, <laughs> you know, yep. and then we'll go climb on his roots, which is sort of selfish. But at the same time, he loved doing it and being out there and you know, up there with his bucket and, and, and scraping away on the hold. So, and you know, they're going to be good roots. Yeah. You know, so. for the most part. Yeah. Well, I or don't know about he'll days. steer you to the best <laughs> ones. Anyway, so. Bill puts up classic lines. Oh, uh, only, only. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he'll tell you that. Yeah. Hear that, Bill? Did you hear that? <laughs> That's totally awesome. Uh, well, cool. Um, let's kind of wind this thing down. You're doing a book signing today. You've launched it just recently. How long has it been out? Three weeks. Okay. So only three weeks. Um, and you're, you're just committed to a second edition. I heard. Yes. On the show. Yes. Um, that'll be, that'll be wider. Overall, you, you know, you, how much time did you put into this roughly? Five years. Okay. Five years you've been working on this thing. Probably five years that we decided to do it. Okay. Because the book that was out at the time was just so bad. Right. And when we mentioned it, we just kind of started playing with the idea and we started collecting information. People would be like, oh, you're going to write a book, huh? Like, well, yeah, maybe we're thinking about it. And then mm-hmm. people just bugged us so much. Even Dave, to the last time I saw him, he was bugging me about it. So right. I had to get it done. Right. But yeah, it took, uh, you know, collecting information and everything. So now once I have, now that I have it and I have all the information, you know, once we do develop new crags and stuff, then we'll put out another edition with that stuff in it as well. But that's, you know, a couple of years down the road. Well, you know, it's, it's hard because there's been so much development there in the last five years since you made this declaration. It, it was almost like you were probably trying to run to, 
stay ahead. And I mean, did you finally just have to be like, okay, we're done. Like that's the last submission. I know tomorrow you're going to go put up another route, but yeah, it's not coming in here. Cause I, I mean, I know people, uh, a friend who's working on the black Canyon guy book, uh, that's almost going to come out. And he was the same way. He's like, all right, that's it. After this date, it's got to be onto the next edition. Did it feel like that? Like, oh, yeah. just like, I oh, had to shit. hear, I had to hear it from Bill Ramsey though. He told me you have to just stop. Right. You have to stop. Put it out. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm missing this. I don't have the description for this. And no, no, no. He's like, no, just st- stop the madness. Right. <laughs> Put it out. So we did, you know, and, and here it is. And I, I'm super happy with it. It's a beautiful book. And, um, yeah. And so I also have a website, okay. limestonebible.com. Mm-hmm pretty easy yeah. and you can buy the book there and i'll also have additions to crags so i okay. have a page there so as things do get developed um you can go to that page on the web page and look at the new routes if so if you get confused you go to crag and there's something that's new or confusing then you can go to my website and yeah check it out yeah because that that is, can be tricky uh i mean that's like not that i'm going to advocate this openly but it's it even though it was shocking the first time I saw it as like a former tradster, like the, 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 the names or the initials painted on the cliff in Europe sure is nice. <laughs> <laughs> when you're just looking at lines of bolts. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm going to count from the left. But then, of course, someone put a new one in and you're like, well, do those bolts look new? Is this a different route? Or so, but. Again, I'm I'm not telling anyone to go out and start painting on the cliffs because no, you no. didn't hear. Don't it from do me. it in our area either, yeah, please. Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm, you know, a guidebook can be trick. A sport climbing guidebook can be tricky like that when, you know, someone puts another route in between and all of a sudden the whole scheme is kind of messed up. Yeah. You know, if especially on smooth limestone, if it's not real featured, where you can't draw in like some little hanging thing to get everybody oriented. But involved. hey, I mean, that kind of goes back to taking everything too seriously, too. It's like, well, there's going to be things that are popping up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bill and I, we had to climb all that shit. Right. That's how we figured it out. Right. You right, know, right. If something didn't make sense. We just got on the route, you know. So. All right. Well, what about uh, your now your future uh, musical aspirations that you've got? You've got this gig. Specifically, what is this gig? It's in Phoenix. It's, it's some Phoenix. outdoor Okay. It's in is there, November. Is, I don't. Is there any active uh, web presence for Misty Murphy musician? Well, I have my website, which is mistymurphy.com. dot com. Okay. But, um, is I am also on. Is it lonely and cobwebbed right now? Kind of. Okay. Yeah, that's actually, all right. Don't I, go there. You know, it just happens. <laughs> you can rev it back up. But I really like um, SoundCloud. Okay. Yeah. And so I've been uploading music there, and I. I have every intention. I hooked all my gear back up the other day to start recording some new music. I'm really excited to kind of dive back into my music again. And and so SoundCloud, if you want to go to SoundCloud in a month or two, I might have something new on there. Okay. I think we've covered everything. Are you good? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming in. And, and like I said, the, the insight to the guidebook author thing, because I know it can be a tangled web. Um, and congratulations on like seeing it to fruition because when, what you said about you decided to write this guidebook, um, you know, there, there's languishing notebooks in people's houses that have decided that made that same decision and, and never went anywhere. 
or it got halfway there and it's just like a pile of loose leaf paper or whatever. So congratulations on seeing it to the end. Thank you. And taking the hits <laughs> and making the decisions and, and living with them. And hopefully that'll all smooth itself out. You see my bruises? Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually. I thought that was from last night. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but thanks a lot for coming. I really appreciate you sitting down. Thanks, Chris. And um, let's go out on a, on a tune. Uh, can you tell me about this song? It's the first song off of Venus, which is the album that I recorded in my basement. And uh, it's called Unleashed. And it just kind of ha has a really cool moody vibe to it. And it just kind of is about um, transitioning in myself and relationships. And I think it's a nice song. Awesome. Well, thanks. You can check Misty Murphy's music on SoundCloud, limestonebible.com for the book, or it'll be in the stores. And uh, hopefully I'll see you down there this winter. Sounds great. Thanks, Misty. Thanks. Thanks.